the disciples of Jesus Christ being together, says all in one accord in one place. And it was when the Spirit of God had fell out, had poured out into the lives of those individuals. And I believe that as we come together in one accord, that God will continue to pour out his spirit in this place. I love as I look out and see the diversity that is all over this sanctuary. And I just believe that God, he is pleased and he is honored by it. And so, again, I'm glad for our All Nation Sunday. And listen, I will not try to be long at all. Uh, I didn't think about wearing this sweater, but I'd be hot. So, <laughs> But listen, if you could join with me in Acts chapter 6, you can all stand at this time. We're going to Acts chapter 6, and we're going to be reading from verse 14. Verse 14, Acts chapter 6, verse 14. And it reads as such, for we have heard him say, speaking of Stephen, that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the custom which Moses delivered unto us. I want to read that one more time. These people, they were upset. They wanted to find reason to kill Stephen. And so they fabricated a lie, partial lie, so that the people would get angry. And he said that this Stephen has said that this Jesus of Nazareth, he shall destroy this place and shall change the customs. The customs which Moses delivered unto us. Today, I would like to preach unto you the title of my sweatshirt, Kingdom Over Culture. Kingdom Over Culture. If you can join me in prayer one last time, let's unify. I would, if you could, pray in your language. I believe that God, he honors language not only in English, but also Spanish and French and any other. But begin to pray in your language right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, we come to you thanking you. Thanking you for unity in the refuge church. Unity in the body of Christ. Oh, Father, I pray that you would do only what you're able to do today. Oh, Father, you have a purpose and you have a will for today's service. And so I would ask, Lord God, on all nations service, Lord God, that you would prick our hearts, Lord, and speak to us exactly what you would desire, Lord, that this church may move forward in the kingdom of God, Father. It's truly kingdom over culture, Lord, and I would pray, Lord, that we honor our cultures in this place today, but more so we will honor the kingdom of God. Use me to speak your word to this body of people. I pray that no one would be offended by what I might say, Lord, but they would receive it, Lord, as the words from on high, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and I say amen. You may be seated. One more time, let's give God a round of applause. Hallelujah. Kingdom over culture. 
I think it would be wise for me to start by giving you the true definition of what culture is. Culture defined as the customs of a particular nation, people, or a social group. It is the social behaviors, the ways of life, the beliefs and the norms that are found within human societies that are passed from generation to generation. We find that there were customs that Jesus himself participated in. Luke 4 and 16, it says, And Jesus came to Nazareth, and when he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. We find in this verse right here that it was a custom of Jesus Christ at least once a week for him to enter into the synagogue. It's a custom that we ourselves here at the Refuge Church and churches around this entire world have also practiced where we want to meet at least once a once a week inside the church, but those are not the only customs that we have here at the refuge. There are some normalities, some, some things that we plan to pass from generation to generation. Last week, Pastor, he began to speak about prayer. That is a custom that we will never get rid of here at the refuge church. We want to practice prayer to the day that we die. We want our children to be prayers. We want our grandchildren to be prayers. We are a church that worships. I don't care who comes inside this assembly. We will from generation to generation until the Lord comes back. If, if God has his way, this city and this people will always worship God. And last but not least, what differentiates us from a lot of churches is we expect the Holy Spirit to fall out. We expect the Spirit to be poured in this place. We believe in signs and miracles and wonders, and I believe that God can change your language. I believe that he can give you another voice. I, I believe that he can fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is a custom that we don't plan on getting rid of anytime soon. These are customs of the Refuge Church. But churches, they aren't the only organizations or body of people who have culture and customs. But every nation around the world has them, including the United States of America. You are familiar with a couple of those that we have for Thanksgiving. We like to eat turkey. How do you know that? <laughs> it's just a custom of the United States. I don't understand. I'm not, I have not studied why we eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't even think it would be out of order to throw a steak or a little uh, a couple ribs in there if we needed to. But, but every Thanksgiving, if you go to 75, 80% of the homes that celebrate, they will have some form of turkey on the table. It's just a custom that we have here in the United States. Another weird custom that we have is Groundhog Day. For February 2nd of every year, I guess when the groundhog comes out of hibernation, if it sees its shadow, that means that there will be six more weeks of winter. And I'm praying every year, whether it's true or not, that the groundhog does not see its shadow. Amen? But you will quickly find out that when you go into these different nations, that they have different customs. 
It doesn't mean that we are better than them or that they are better than us, but their customs are not always the same as ours. For instance, when you go to Japan, I found that slurping on your noodles is a sign of respect. It shows the cook that they did a very good job. Now, here in America, if I slurp too loud, my wife might kick me out the house. But, babe, I'm just trying to let you know it tastes good. <laughs> and I understand it, but the sound, is, to us, it may be annoying. I found in South Korea, uh, to my astonishment, that tipping is considered rude. I mean, for those who may not like to tip, we found out where you need to be a missionary at. <laughs> tipping is rude in South Korea. I found in Lebola, South Africa, that you have to suggest a price when you want to marry a woman. Did y'all hear that? Man, you have to go to the families of the bride, and you have to offer a price. What are you willing to pay for your wife? Keep that in your head now. Keep that in your head. <laughs> But in different places, they have different customs. It is in the biblical days that we find the dance custom that it was of such great significance that when the daughter of Herod, when she had danced for him, it pleased him so greatly that he told her that he would give her almost anything she wanted. And because of the promise, she said that she wanted John the Baptist dead. And he cut his head off. The custom there was so special in dancing that because she danced so well, he told her, I'll give you anything you want, even if it means killing somebody. And they cut off the head of John the Baptist. What customs do you celebrate? What customs operate in your life? Every nation, it has its own customs. Uh, if I say, and I might mess it up, if I say quinceanera, you think of the Hispanic culture. If I say sushi, you might think of the Eastern culture. If I speak and mention freedom of religion, you may think of Western culture. Because every culture has different customs. But this is what I want to ask you. How did each nation develop its own cultures? How are we so different when we go around the world? And I want you to know it all started in Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel. These were people who wanted to build a tower. They wanted this tower so that they could make a name for themselves. They wanted to make a name for their nation. They wanted to make a name for their people so that they will never be forgotten and so that they wouldn't scatter across the world. It was at this time that God had only allowed one language to be on the face of this earth. I don't know what that language was, but everybody spoke the same language. And because they dishonored him, because they were doing something that was not pleasing to his will, God decided to switch and change languages. And he gave some of them English and he gave some of them Spanish and he gave some of them Hebrew and he decided to divide them up so that they could not continue to build the tower. This is a prime example of what unity will do. That even when you're not in the will of God, God said that they would have accomplished their purpose 
if they would have stayed unified. You and I, we would all be one nationality. We would be one people if these individuals at the Tower of Babel had not stepped outside the will of God. And so because of these different people speaking different languages, they began to spread all over the face of the earth. Some began to go up in the east into China and Japan and others, they came to North America. They, they wanted to seclude themselves and be only with those individuals that spoke their language. And because of their geographical location, it began to determine their culture. Those who live close to water, you can guarantee they ate fish and seafood. If there were no big bodies of water but plenty of land, they would utilize that land and they would raise cattle and hogs. If it was hot year-round, it was primarily a diet of fruit because they could eat it 365. And if it got cold during the winter, grains were a major part of the diet because you could store them for long periods of time unlike fruit. If it was cold year-round, most of those individuals ate a diet that we know as today as the keto diet because there were no plants, there were no grains because they were unable to grow because it was so cold outside and so they lived off fatty fish and fatty animals. The reason they ate what they ate is because of where they lived. They, they didn't determine these things on their own, but also they developed culture because of survival. There were traits that you and I have because our ancestors needed to survive. In the hotter climates, the people had developed darker skin to protect them from the sun. We find that eye color, that people who have brown eyes, their ancestors, they lived in desert areas and the sand would reflect their eyes so they can see better. In colder areas, people would develop blue eyes because the sky would reflect off the snow. And so the characteristics that you have within yourself is because you were created to survive here on earth in the geographical uh, location that your ancestors had lived. I don't know if you've noticed about the tribes that live in the jungle areas, but they're usually shorter individuals and they're, they're smaller in stature because it makes climbing easier. We didn't get to pick our culture. We didn't get to pick our traits. And I want us to understand better than another nationality. And that nationality is not better than this nationality. The reason you are how you are is because you were made to survive. It was based on your location. It was based on your surroundings. But as I get to where I want to go, I learned a long time ago that when we are connected to people by DNA, we are drawn to them. I'm going to help you out here in a minute. When I was 12 years old, I met my father for the first time. No one had to teach me to love him. I loved him at first sight. I mean, the moment I seen him, I was drawn to him. For 12 years, other influences in my life. But the moment I seen him walking up, my mom didn't even tell me he was my dad. I seen him, and I knew he was my father. I didn't care that he had been absent for 12 years. The fact that we had the same DNA instantly caused me to place a priority on him. Regardless of his morals, I didn't know if he went to church or not. I just wanted to be closer to him 
The influence he had on my life without even saying a word, it was greater than the influence of any mentor, any teacher with a master's degree that I had ever come in contact to. It didn't matter that he missed 12 birthdays. He missed 12 Christmases. He didn't provide food, nor clothes, nor shelter. It was the fact that he was my DNA. And because of that, I wanted to look like him. I wanted to dress like him. It was when I seen that he had braids, I told my mom I wanted to have braids. It's something about our DNA, our ancestors, that when we see them, we want to be like them. And as an adult, I now look back at how foolishly I was willing to follow after someone because we had shared the same nationality or ethnicity. This became very apparent to me when those DNA tests start coming out. Ancestry.com, 23andMe, MyHeritage.com. These were DNA tests where if they would swab your mouth or they would get your blood, they can tell you where you came from. They can give you the exact country. They can tell based on your blood if you were percent this country or percent that nationality. And it was something that me and my wife, if I'm honest, it was something that we really wanted to do. And I began to think when I take this test, and no, I did not take it, and I'll tell you, why in a minute, but I said when I take this test, when I find out which tribe from Africa I'm from, I'm going to make sure I visit that place. And the Holy Spirit dropped something in my spirit. He said, what if that ancestor worshiped false gods? Something that I was so attracted to because we had the same DNA. Because they were my ancestors. Without me ever seeing the place, I was drawn to them. Because I know I have the same blood. But God says, what if they worshiped false gods? Drawn to something that God is not pleased with. And here's what I want to share with you today. That if you are not careful... You will receive that same spirit that allows your nationality and your culture to have more influence than any other authority on the face of this earth. Come on, I want you to hear me, Refuge. This is a danger, and you may not believe that you are dealing with this. It's going on here in the United States where the blacks are getting with the blacks and the whites are getting with the whites. Hispanics are hanging with Hispanics. Listen, this is a nasty spirit, and God is against it. We don't follow after nationalities just because we have the same DNA. Again, you will ignorantly follow after those things that your culture deems more important simply because you have the same blood and share the same nationality you would soon develop a mindset and some of us may have already developed today that my nationality and the background that I come from is better than any other And I want to preach against that today because there's no nation that is better than any other nation. And if you're not careful with that thought, you'll become biased towards others, even those who go to church with you. 
Because we find in Acts chapter 6, after the Holy Spirit had fallen out, the Bible says that as the disciples multiplied greatly, that means the Word of God and the Spirit of God was moving in a way that we probably can't imagine. It says that as they, as they multiplied greatly, that there became a murmuring among the Greeks. Why? Because the Jews neglected them in their daily ministration of food. I want you to hear me now. These Jewish people who love their heritage so much that when the Holy Spirit had fell out and Greeks and Jews come together, when it was time to hand out food every day, they would give food to the Jews first. They had favoritism. They began to show favoritism in the church, in the body of Christ. They said, no, you're not my nationality. You come eat first. And the Greeks, they began to complain. But when we developed that mindset and we began to look after our nationality, we begin to be biased towards other, and we don't even know it because it's such a subtle spirit. Again, I'm here to tell you that no nation is better than any other nation. Your nationality is not better. I don't care what traits and what characteristics that they have. God is, shows no respect of persons. He has no favoritism. We are all equal, and we are all the same. Hallelujah. Again, you, you have no reason to boast about your nationality. But if any nation, and I say any, if any nation had a reason to boast, it would have been the nation of Israel. It would have been the Hebrew people. I need you to understand that the God that created this planet the one who spoke things into existence. When he decided to come down here on earth, he chose the Hebrews to be his people. He chose to come into the body of Jesus Christ in the nationality, in the race of a Jewish man, of a Hebrew man. He chose these people. And we find in the Old Testament that they were a chosen people. They were his chosen possession. They were the apple of his eye. He chose them amongst all the nations. If anybody had a reason to boast about their nationality, it was the Jewish people. God had a plan for them that they would be the priest of this world. There was never supposed to be a Levitical priesthood. But all the Hebrews, they were supposed to be the priest to the entire world. It was the blessings in Deuteronomy 28 that God had spoken to the Hebrew people. Huh. I'm trying to tell you, they had a reason to boast. And when you read the Bible, you quickly find out that they were very proud of their nationality. They were proud that God had chosen them. But for those of you who have a lot of pride in your nation, I want you to be careful because the very nationality you represent will be the same one that hurts you. Did you hear me? I said the same nationality that you're bragging on, the ones that you are boasting on, they're so good at this and they're so good at that. Those will be the same people that turn your world upside down. And if you don't believe me, I want you to look at Luke 4.24. And Jesus said, verily I say unto you, no prophet. He said, no prophet is accepted in his own country. 
the prophets of God, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they were not accepted by their own people, their own nationality, their own culture. Jesus said no prophet is accepted in his own country. We find in Matthew 15 that when a Canaan woman, a woman who was not of the Jewish nationality, she was not of the Jewish race, that when she came to Jesus Christ and she asked Jesus, she told him that my daughter is vexed with a demon. She is vexed with a devil. Jesus said, I came for the lost sheep of Israel. Do we see the favoritism, the blessing? that the Israelites had upon their life, where Jesus said, I come for the Israelites. He had no intention on healing that girl. But later on we find that these same people that Jesus came for, the lost sheep of Israel, they put him in prison. I need you to hear me clear. The same people that Jesus came for, his same nationality, same skin color, they spoke the same language. These were the very individuals who put a sinless man behind bars. And here's one of the customs found in John 18 and 39. It says, but you have a custom. This is the governor, the Roman governor. He's speaking to the Jews. Jesus is in prison. Another individual is in prison named Barabbas. And he says, but you have a custom, one that we don't have here in America, that you should release unto you one at Passover. Again, they had a custom at that time that during Passover they would release somebody from prison. It was a get-out-of-jail-free card. Jesus is in prison with a murderer. A sinless man is in prison with a murderer. And yet, they say, release Barabbas. They say, release Barabbas. They didn't want to release the man of their own nationality. Why? Because he was coming against their customs. He was coming against their culture. And it was these very people who put nails through his hands and nails through his feet. I want you to be careful when you become prideful and you begin to boast about your nation because they will be the very ones who let you down. And that's why I'm thankful that God, he had a plan from the very beginning. I'm thankful that he came and he died on the cross. And as much damage as the Jews did, it was part of the plan of God. And because Jesus died and because he rose with all power in his hand, now he gives you life. And he gives you life. And now I can spend eternity in heaven. It's because of Jesus and what the Jews did to him that we are now adopted into the body of Christ. Somebody give praise for that right now. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. I didn't deserve it. I might have crucified you myself if I was a Jew. But I thank you right now for the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Lord. It is because of that that the Holy Spirit was poured out. 
Jesus said, I had to go that the comforter may come, that the spirit may come. And the Bible says that when we repent and when we are baptized in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, that we will be filled with the Holy Ghost. And men, you know that that Holy Spirit is evidenced by us speaking in the language that we don't know, maybe a language that we've never heard before. I thank God for the body of Christ and I thank God for what Jesus has done on that cross. Listen, I want you to understand in this place today that the nationality that you represent, that's not even your nationality. Listen, for those of you who are going to heaven, you are ambassadors of Christ. Do you hear me? An ambassador is someone who comes from a, a different land. He comes from a, 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 different, a different country. You were known from the foundation of the earth. Do you hear me? God had chose you. And he puts you in that nationality. He puts you in that Bible. But that's not yours. That's not truly yours. Because when you die, that's going to be buried six feet under. But you are an ambassador of Christ. We don't belong to this world. We belong to heaven. The kingdom of God is our land. And it is our culture. And it is our place. Why? Because God says that you are a chosen generation. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. And you will show forth his praises. <laughs> These cultures that we are bragging about so much, listen, they're temporary. They don't even matter. They're sinful. Because I guarantee if you look back in your ancestry, I don't care where you come from, they used to worship false gods. Listen, everybody in here, if you go back far enough, they used to worship false gods. And some of you may say you're a Jew. They, Jews used to worship false gods. And they had the true God right there in front of them. Listen, God is not interested in our culture. He is interested in his kingdom. And we have to get over the differences that we have in these cultures. And we have to begin to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We need to be kingdom-minded. I said we need to be kingdom-minded. Listen, do you know there's a culture in the Republican Party? There's a culture in the Democratic Party? But listen, God wants us to be kingdom-minded. We can't allow these differences in these cultures to separate us. But our mind must be the mind of Christ. We must be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We can't allow these various cultures to infiltrate the kingdom of God. There's something we have to do. Listen, if we're going to sing that song and we want heaven to come here today, listen, we have to be worried and we have to be mindful of the kingdom of God. Listen, I, I celebrate the cultures. Listen, I'm not speaking bad about them. There are different things that I like about different cultures. There are some foods that are absolutely phenomenal. There are, there, there, there's some wear, some, some attire that I absolutely love. The way that some of the cultures dance and the way that some of them sing, listen, it, it, it's beauty to my eyes. It's beauty to my ears. And I don't want to downplay the things that go on around this world in these various cultures. But I want us to be mindful that it's not about this culture, that it's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. I'm, I'm going to come to a close here. But I want to go back to our main verse. Acts chapter 6, 14. 
It says, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered unto us. Listen, I want you to understand something. The customs that Moses had delivered unto them were of God. Do you hear me? They were of God. These people had a reason to keep their customs. But what they didn't understand was that Jesus was God. And that he had ability and reason if he wanted to to change any custom. But because they were so connected to their customs. When they heard that Jesus wanted to change them. Listen. They were willing to kill him. Listen, not only Jesus, but the man who spoke it. Do you hear me? Stephen was speaking to the people in Acts chapter 6, giving them the gospel. They didn't like what he was saying. And some people, he's going to change our customs. And the thought of the people are, let's kill him. I'm closing. Basically, he said they, they, they were changing their culture. Getting rid of some things that are going on in their culture. And they thought, let's kill him. And not only did they kill Jesus, but they killed the messenger. It wasn't Stephen that was changing the culture. It was Jesus. They not only killed the man, but they killed the messenger. I don't want us to get so tied to our culture on this All Nation Sunday and develop a pride and a protection over it that we put it above the kingdom of God and that we become segregated. It hurt my heart when I heard Martin Luther King. He said something that I agreed with. It was on my birthday in 1960. I wasn't born yet. April 17th. That Martin Luther King, he was being interviewed by Meet the Press. And it was recorded. This is, this is what he said. I need you to hear this that one of the most shameful tragedies in America is that the most segregated hour of the day is the church hour. He said, if you ever want to see people segregate this culture together, this culture together, this nationality in that corner, and that nationality in that corner. He said, if you ever want to see that in a place, he said, go to America when they have church. The people who are supposed to represent uni unity. The body of people, if anybody, is supposed to come together. It's supposed to be the church. But we have a culture here in America that when you go to a church, it's only full of one nationality. Refuge, this is what I want to challenge you.
Listen, what are we going to do to make sure that those 16 nationalities we prayed for today, what are we going to do to make sure they're right here at the Refuge Church? Listen, what if one of those individuals that listened to Martin Luther King's interview, what if he came looking and just happened to step into this church? Could we make that statement a false statement? I believe that God wants us to be full of every culture, every creed, and every nation on this all Sunday nation. But it's only going to happen if we make it happen, Refuge. We need to resemble what heaven is going to look like. It won't just be people who speak English. It won't be people that just speak Spanish. It won't be dark-skinned people, light-skinned people. But it's going to be all of us. Listen, I believe that God wants to transform this place. He wants the refuge to be that mirror of what heaven looks like. Not only in people, but also in kingdom principles, in miracles, in signs, in wonders, in authority, in power, in principalities. God wants that here for the refuge church. But it's going to take your participation. You got to forget about your nation. You got to forget about your culture. There's some things that you may have to throw in the dumpster if we're going to make this vision come to pass. But I want to ask somebody in here today, are you willing to do it? Listen, are you willing to fight that this church will represent heaven? Are you willing to fight that this will not represent one nationality? This will not fight one ethnicity. This will not be a church of just one kind of people, but we will be a church of diversity. Every creed, every tongue, every nation shall be here at the Refuse Church. If you will stand at me, stand with me right now. I believe that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be diverse. And I truly believe, I didn't talk to Pastor about it, I believe he just agrees with me. I believe that we can push forward and that we can get people in here from every nation. No discrimination. We won't treat others better than others. But if you can pray with me, I want you to ask God, what can you do? Is there some cultural pride in your heart? Is there something deep down inside of you that you need to repent of right now concerning your nationality? Let us all pray right now and let's ask God just to move on our hearts. As Sister Brown begins to sing, let's pray. Oh, heavenly.